0: Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In the midst of these challenging times, one of the biggest changes people are dealing with is how to live together while in quarantine. Not a few parents have told me, I'm not used to being with my children all day, every day. The result of families living in close quarters for whole days, let alone weeks, is oftentimes frustration, impatience, and even anger. To help fight against these sinful behaviors, it's worthwhile to review what we know about gentleness, which is the eighth fruit of the Holy Spirit found in St. Paul's famous passage in Galatians 5. In popular culture, gentleness is sometimes associated with weakness. But for Christians, it is associated with strength and self-control. It is a virtue that comes from the inner grace of the soul. The gentle person is the one who accepts whatever God gives him and sees them as good and beneficial for salvation no matter what the circumstances. A gentle person, for example, would see the coronavirus pandemic through the lens of God's love, goodness, and continual work for the sake of our salvation. Far from being weak, the gentle person possesses inner strength to accept whatever circumstances he or she must live with. As with every virtue, the perfect example of gentleness is our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel, he invites us to imitate his gentleness, saying, Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and ye will find rest for your souls. It would be impossible to speak about all the instances of our Lord's astonishing gentleness in the Gospel, but let me offer one story as an example. Our Lord Jesus Christ once sat in front of the Temple and taught the multitudes the teachings of the Kingdom of Heaven. People from all walks of life came to hear Him speak about the never-ending joy for the righteous after their departure from this veil of tears. The multitudes were quite content being in the presence of our Lord and hearing his sweet words, but something evil intervened. The scribes, the Pharisees, who had kept the law of Moses in a superficial and external way only, dragged an unfortunate woman with them to our Lord. This woman had been caught just a short while earlier in the sin of adultery. In an almost triumphant way, they brought her before Christ and said, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? In this manner, sinners denounced another sinner while hiding their own transgressions. Whereas our Lord had been speaking to the multitude about life and joy, the scribes and Pharisees had brought fear and death to the gathering. The action of these wicked men was all the more evil because they did not present the woman to our Lord in the hope of obtaining mercy for her. In their mind, she was a condemned sinner who would be put to death regardless of the outcome. In their wickedness, they wanted to ensnare our Lord Jesus Christ and set him up as the one who would transgress the law of Moses. Thus, they wanted to condemn not only the sinful woman, but our Lord Jesus Christ as well. For this reason, the evangelist says, This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. When the scribes and pharisees asked our lord jesus christ but what do you say those present expected one of two things would happen either our lord in his mercy would release the sinful woman and therefore and thereby violate the clear letter of the law in the temple the place of the law or he would uphold the law and allow the woman to be stoned the plot of the wicked men was brilliant in its evil Because if our Lord chose the first option, he would be stoned to death along with the woman. But if he chose the second option, he would have contradicted his own commandment of love and mercy and thus become discredited as a teacher. With burning malice, the wicked men awaited the Master's response. Our Lord did not respond with words initially. But rather he stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear what did our Lord write in the dust the evangelist does not specifically say because what our Lord wrote was devastating our Lord wrote something that instilled great fear in the wicked men who were stopped in their evil tracks with his finger he wrote the secret sins of these wicked men who were so skillful in pointing out the sins of others while concealing their own sins. While they were able to conceal their sins from other men, it was pointless to try to hide anything from the one who sees all. One statement after another was written in the dust by the awesome finger of the righteous judge. And those to whom these words referred after reading what was written trembled with fright and inexpressible horror, standing before the just judge and being confronted with their own sins. None of them thought any more of the sinful woman, but rather their minds darted with thoughts concerning their own sinfulness and their death, which was written there in the dust. No one asked our Lord again, but what do you say? Instead, they looked at their filthy sins written in the filthy dust. Despite this, we see that our Lord showed them mercy and compassion in writing their sins on dust, which is easily erased and keeping the list of their sins outside of the gospel. Had Christ wanted revenge on them for their wickedness, he could have easily denounced all of them and had them stoned to death for their sins, but this is not what he wanted. As he said, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Instead, our Lord simply wanted to remind them that while they carried the burden of their own sins, they should not be strict judges of the sins of others. Afterward, our Lord Jesus Christ in all calmness and kindness said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Our Lord effectively disarmed the wicked men so that they now stood speechless before the just judge and the sinful woman. By writing on the dust, our Lord awoke the consciences of the wicked men and saved the sinful woman from death. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Suddenly, the area outside of the temple was empty. Only our Lord Jesus Christ and the sinful woman, the targets of the wicked men's plot, remained. The woman stood while our Lord remained stooping to the ground. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Of course, our Lord knew that no one had condemned her, but he wished to encourage her with this question. As a skillful physician, he first gently encouraged the woman and then gave her the medicine of his teaching. When she answered that no one condemned her, he spoke as though she was risen from the dead, for until that point she was a dead woman. Our Lord, however, instilled life in her by saving her from the plot of the wicked men and then by teaching her. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. In other words, our Lord forgave her sin and cleansed her soul. Let us take the story as an exemplar of gentleness in our lives. When confronted with a sinner, Christ did not criticize or rebuke. Neither should we criticize or rebuke one another for sins, wrongs, and misdeeds. Ava Isaac the Syrian wrote, Do not hate the sinner, for we are all guilty. Pray for that person so that you may imitate Christ who never got angry with sinners but prayed for them. Meditate on the Lord's mercy and compassion. By his kind and meek words, he dispersed the counsel of the wicked men and bestowed life upon the sinful woman. He disarmed his volatile and sinful gathering with an astounding gentleness. How can we acquire this virtue of gentleness that our Lord Jesus Christ models for us? The Desert Fathers teach us that there are different degrees of gentleness. The first degree of gentleness is not to repay evil with evil. In Romans 12, St. Paul exhorts us, Repay no one evil for evil. Many of us struggle with this because our fallen nature automatically seeks to repay evil with evil. This is especially true with words, such as when someone insults us and we respond in kind. St. John Chrysostomus said, Adorn your tongue with gentleness, with humility. Make it worthy of the God who is entreated. Fill it with blessing and with much alms doing, for it is possible to do alms even with words. In other words, don't ever use your tongue for evil. The second degree of gentleness is to accept evil without losing your internal peace. Perhaps you are able to hold your tongue and not repay evil with evil on the outside, but you might be boiling with anger on the inside and thinking all kinds of evil in your mind. Ava John the Short was very famous so that many people came to him to hear him. Another monk was envious of his fame, so he told him in front of those who gathered around him, John, you are like a prostitute exhibiting her body in front of her lover's. John answered him, Brother, you see my outside and say this about me. What would you say if you saw my inside? The people around him asked him, Were you agitated internally by the insult? And he answered them, What John feels on the outside is what he feels on the inside. The third degree of gentleness is found in the person who suffers evil, and not only refrains from returning evil for evil externally and internally, but also feels grieved and responsible because he caused the other person to sin. There is a story about Saint Tikon of Zadonsk, the Russian saint, that illustrates this highest degree of gentleness. He was once challenged to debate a famed atheist professor in front of eager college students at the beginning of Russia's sad experiment with communism. Although many thought the professor would easily defeat the simple Christian, St. Tikhon handily won the debate and made an impression for Christ on those students. So frustrated was the professor after his defeat that he struck St. Tikhon across the face. The saint did not repay evil for evil, But instead, he asked the professor for forgiveness because he felt he caused him to sin. His gentleness and humility produced even more of an impression on the students and won many to Christ. With God's grace, it is possible to acquire and grow in these degrees of gentleness. Here are some practical steps. First, remember that gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is not something you can develop perfectly outside the context of your relationship with God. Secondly, pray and make supplications to God that he may grant you the strength to imitate him in his gentleness every morning before you start your day. Thirdly, At the end of each day, make time for meditation and a short period of quietness, perhaps 15 minutes or 30 minutes at a minimum. During this time, examine your conduct and your reactions over the past day and see where you lost your peace and why. In your prayer at night, ask God to help you to avoid losing this precious peace in the future, which he gave to you as a gift. Fourthly, Pray for those who hate you. Pray for those who insult you. Pray for those who use you. Pray for those who persecute you. Even if you start doing this just as a habit, without feeling it on the inside, continue doing so, and this practice eventually will be written in your heart. May our Lord Jesus Christ grant each and every one of us to grow in this virtue of gentleness which he modeled for us perfectly by his life and to which he invites each and every one of us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.